This year's G1 coverage is going to be a bit different than previous years. We normally offer wall-to-wall, match-by-match coverage in-depth with lots of analysis, and we will try and do that. However, because of COVID-19 and because of, to be honest, a general like inability to get things done because of new jobs and new places to go, most of the Troopany Show crew is not going to be able to join me the way they have done in the past. Normally, under normal circumstances... Uh, this show, these shows run in the summer when plenty of others have time off because we work in education. Myself and Alex Edwards is a good example and other people are around as well. But because we're running in September this year, we're all at work, which doesn't make things easy. I only have the weekends to record it. Now I can watch all the shows live, which or nearly live, which makes a big difference to my uh, wrestling watching life. And it's easier to watch because they're not a three hour show every day. There are only two hours, there are only six matches on each show, which has actually made the products a lot more watchable and a lot more easy to deal with. So I'm going to do these shows, the Today at the G1 shows, by myself. Don't worry, we will still have the big weekend shows. This weekend show, that Sunday show or Monday show, will be a uh, look back at some big tournaments of the past with me and John Dinsdale, so I hope you enjoy our deep dive into that. But for today, we're going to start with G1 at the... Well, Today at the G1... Episode 1, we're at Saka Joe Hall, which is a traditional uh, to New Japan venue, which is always red hot for it. It was nice to see a big hall. We've been doing the small halls over the summer tours, and we've got more people in. There's no uh, offend, There's no numbers for the Eddie, sorry, the Eddie on Arena, not Osaka Joe Hall. It was no numbers for the Eddie on Arena, so I don't know exactly what the, the numbers are going to be like when they come out. It was a socially distant show, so I'm assuming... It will not be as full as it would be normally, and there is usually quite a lot going on with that, uh, with numbers, with Osaka Edeon Arena, Osaka Joe Hall as we call it, is uh, is usually a pretty big building. So there was uh, a lot of anticipation for this, and a lot the crowds were a lot noisier. They're still not allowed to chant and scream, but the applause and the gasps were excellent, were really noisy and really stood out. They were, they were playing in front of such a big crowd after some... Shows that were compact in Bijou with attendance, but it's starting to feel like a big deal again. And this is the G1. Even if it is a shortcut G1, it is still garnering the interest of the Japanese wrestling fan. Now, the show opened with Yue Uemura and Yotosuji. Six minutes and 57 seconds as Uemura still continues his dominance over Suji. Both of these guys are going to be exceptional full roster pros. I'm really looking forward to how well they transfer, what they do on their excursions. I want to see the next chapter for both of them. They're outstanding wrestlers, and I can't see anything but sky the limit for Yuumura or for Yotosuji. Yuumura's suplex variations are incredible. Yotosuji is a big old hoss of a guy. He's just so such a lovable oaf in a, in a very positive way. So I can't see what these two come. Wait to see what these two come up with. It's going to be really interesting to see both of them, how both of them develop. The first of the actual G1 matches, the debut of the G1 for 2020, was Will Osprey versus Yujiro Takahashi. I didn't want to watch this match. Yujiro Takahashi is Yujiro Takahashi is still the same guy he was who won the Intercontinental Championship or was a never open weight championship about four years ago at the peak. 
of his heavyweight power. He's a long way from the peak of his heavyweight power these days. Takahashi's just Takahashi. He's not bad. He's not awful. He can work a match. He's more useful in tag matches and as a faction player because that's where he's made his name in Bullet Club. And then we get to Will Ospreay, who I'm not particularly keen on ever watching another round of his wrestling matches again. I don't think he's a particularly nice person. This was perfectly serviceable. Now, there was a big story from Emily Pratt uh, this morning. Uh, well, it just released just before the G1 started. Uh, you should go read that. There's links to it on my Twitter page, certainly. Uh, Emily Pratt's pieces for uh, J-Byte, I think they are. I can't remember exactly. I'll find out the site she works for. But she is did a really deep dive into the whole Osprey situation and what's going on with the, that particular... Um, strain of thought and it really highlighted what uh, what New Japan aren't doing it's just um, it's, it's just not good it's just not the way that things need to be going Fanfight, that's who she writes for of course um, it's just not the way they need to be going um, and as I've been discussing it with other journalists this morning I kind of do feel that they want the international audience, but they don't want the responsibility of having an international audience. You know, only a few years ago, well, a while ago, but Tai Chi uh, cheated on his wife with a text message affair and had to shave his head and show reconciliation with the situation. Shibata, too, has had similar situations as well, uh, where he had to apologize for his behavior, but Osprey doesn't have to do anything. He wins this match and then has a major babyface promo. And in Emily Pratt's uh, article this morning, the rumor is he's due a top six push uh, through this G1 and establish himself within this tournament. And I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see him there. I think it'd be really interesting if New Japan did a show in the UK at the minute to see what response he'd get. I mean, at Rev Pro, I think he'd be all right. But certainly New Japan's a much more diverse crowd and I don't think he would be universally cheered. In fact, I think he would be booed. Um, and that's for his real-life actions, because people know what he's like. He is not a nice person, as far as I can tell. He has not done anything. He does nice things. But again, is it to deflect away from other traits of his personality? Now, I understand he's had mental health issues, and I obviously anyone who has mental health issues has a lot of stress to go through, but that does not excuse bad behaviour. And we've talked enough about it on this show, so let us move on. Uh, that match was alright. did what it said on the 10. 7 minutes and 34 seconds. Kind of short, but it was an opening match of a, a G1. It wasn't going to be brilliant. Talking of something that was a lot better, I guess I'm actually thinking of a Tai Chi match that was better. Tai Chi defeated Jeff Cobb in 12 minutes and 47 seconds. Um, it was a classic tale of trying to knock the big, the, the sneaky heel trying to knock down the big bad baby face. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was well worth watching. And I don't say that about Tai Chi matches often. Because Tai Chi is not my cup of tea, but oh, dangerous tea, if you will. However, this was a lot more fun to watch than your average Tai Chi match, that's for sure. Jeff Cobb is Jeff Cobb. Again, he's a brilliant worker. He kind of sits into this situation nicely. He's a big spoiler within the tournament. He's going to get some big scouts, but not on the first day. And it sets Tai Chi up as being a strong component of the G1, which he wasn't necessarily last year. He was kind of waiting his turn last year. He was getting to the point last year. Whereas now, he's certainly all set to be going all gun blazing at this G1 because he has a big match lined up with the boss of Suzuki-Goon, Minoru Suzuki, the current Never Openweight Champion, who appeared in the next matchup 
against Tomohiro Ishii. 13 minutes of a brutal professional wrestling match. An absolutely brutal professional wrestling match. You would not believe how hard these people hit one another when they're only pretending, quote-unquote. It was a shocking level of violence. Not for chairs, not for foreign objects, not for bleeding. Just forearms to the face that would just leave you breathless. The crowds were ooing and ahhing. They had people on the edge of their seat. If you want a candidate for match of the year, this is it. The, the Wrestle Kingdom matches were not as good as this 13 minutes. It was outstanding work. I loved every second of it. I love these two guys to death. And I'll watch these two forever and ever. And someone put on Twitter a picture of him as he walked away. Minoru Suzuki, did you ever doubt him? I never doubt Minoru Suzuki. He is an absolute god of professional wrestling. And Tomohiro Ishii is just on another planet. His ability to sell, his ability to progressively sell, his ability to work in matches like this is just outstanding. He is the most, well, he's New Japan's most valuable player. I don't think they could actually do without him. He's just the guy they need at the right time, at the right moment. And this match was thrilling, absolutely thrilling. Next up was the semi-final of this particular show. Jay White making his return to New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan. He defeated Shingo Takagi in 19 minutes and 28 seconds. Again, in another barnstormer. In fact, I think Jay White is perfect opponent is Shingo Takagi. Someone who's a little bit bigger, a little bit stiffer. Uh, it allows Jay to work from underneath in a heel way and give actual credence to his bad tactics, to his uh, interference and to his cheating that make it worthwhile. Whereas guys who are a little bit bigger don't get away with it so much. So this was a fight from underneath from a heel, which you don't see very often. But Jay White is the best sneaky heel in pro wrestling right now. And he really, really milked this match for everything for it is worth. Shingo has had a hard summer. The fans were behind him, as you would expect. And I loved this match. Just absolutely adored this match. It was perfect. Uh, I won't say perfect. It's the, the two perfectly matched people to see each other wrestle. I thoroughly enjoyed this matchup. I can't wait to see these two wrestle again. That would be awesome if we could arrange that somewhere down the line. Sometimes in the old days, the GEL1 used to put big singles matches together, rematches from the tournament. Uh, this would be a perfect one for that. The main event of night one at Osaka Edeon Arena was Kota Ibushi, who defeated Kazuchika Okada in 21 minutes and 35 seconds. This was a tale of Ibushi trying very hard to evade everything that Okada had to offer. He didn't take the Rainmaker or the pile driver or any of his big finishes except for the Cobra Clutch submission. Which Okada kind of slipped on in some random and awkward ways. <laughs> it was a bit sloppy in times. And this match was a bit sloppy in times. There was one point where Ibushi had Okada on the top rope and went for the Frankensteiner off the top rope and had to adjust in midair because he didn't keep his balance on the ropes. Uh, and it wasn't his usual crisp self. It's a little bit all over the place. These two have not wrestled each other for a while and it might have been just like jitters and nerves, but they're two of the best wrestlers in the world. You don't expect things to be sloppy from either of them. It wasn't quite as good as Shingo versus Jay White or Ishii versus Suzuki which is kind of disappointing because these two are absolutely phenomenal they're, they're just on another planet wrestling level wise but I feel that things weren't quite gelling the way they could have done uh, 
it was still an astounding match despite all of these issues. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but Akada and Ibushi, it was a rematch from last year's Wrestle Kingdom for main event. And it kind of completed the story. It allowed Ibushi to have a big win back in a high-pressure situation. And, you know, he's kind of got his mojo back. He knows how to deal with Akada now, which is something he didn't do before. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what these two put together. Now we're going to preview the next event. That will be tomorrow's event, um, which we will get back to tomorrow night. And I will talk to you about that tomorrow's show tomorrow night. Gabriel Kidd versus Yasuji is the opener. Yoshihashi versus Juice Robinson. Toriyano versus Sonada. I'm going to have to put Yoshihashi over Juice Robinson, actually, for a change. Oh, Yano versus Sonada. That could go a number of ways. I think Sonada's my man in that one. Kenta versus Hiroki Goto. I have to say Kenta's probably going to start off with a win. Jacques Sabre Jr. He's English, not French. Jack Sabre Jr. versus Evil. ZSJ will probably take that one. It'll be interesting to see a heel versus heel matchup. Who's going to turn out on top of that? And Hiroshi Tanahashi kicks things off with Tetsuya Naito. Could you have a more New Japan match than Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi? That should be spectacular and a brilliant storytelling device to start things off with the big match rather than end it. So we'll see what happens there. So that's been uh, today at the G1 from the Troopany Show. My name's James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, the Troopany Show, and on Patreon where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. We'll be back with tomorrow night with night two of the G1 and on Monday morning, the Troopany Show will go back in time to 1959, 1960, and 1980 to cover big tournaments from Japan Wrestling Association, I'll get it right in the end, and of course, All Japan Pro Wrestling's Championship Carnival. Some classics for you to look forward to. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye.